We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Franklin was just asking, do a lot of people do this? So uh, we'll see. If you are uh, joining us for the live feed, for the live class, uh, make sure that we know that you're there and feel free to, uh, to, to ask questions. Uh, we are studying Midrash Rabbah, uh, Brashit Rabbah, Genesis Rabbah. Um, it's a Midrash. Uh, uh, we're in the first chapter. Uh, and it's uh, Midrash number four. Uh, we're about halfway through that Midrash. So uh, the last time we began that Midrash, Midrash number four, which, uh, which posited that there were some things that God uh, created before God created the world. And sometimes and there were some things that God um, uh, thought about creating or, or um, committed to create before creating the world, even though God didn't create them before the creation of the world, right? So some things that God actually created before the world was created, uh, and some things that God intended to create, but waited on creating. Uh, and so uh, among the things that, uh, that, that God created before the creation of the world, uh, according to uh, according to the Midrash, is uh, uh, the Torah and the throne of glory. And uh, the things that God uh, uh, intended to create the world, um, uh, in, excuse me, intended to create before creating the world, were the patriarchs, Israel, uh, the people Israel, uh, the, um, the, the temple, and the name of the Messiah. And so that's sort of where we are. That's the, that's the beginning of the Midrash. Okay, and then and the rest of the midrash is going to uh, be be uh, talking about uh, about about this topic of what God created or intended to create uh, before creating the world. Uh, Franklin, you want to read where it says Rabbi Ahava said. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Ahava said in the name of Rabbi Zara. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Even repentance was, as it says in Psalm ninety point two. Before the mountains were birthed, and at the same time, Psalms 90.3, you turned man to contrition. However, I do not know which was first. All right, so actually, so let's move on to another thought. So, okay, so uh, Rabbi Ahava said in the name of Rabbi Zera that even repentance was created uh, uh, before the world was created. Um, so we're, we're talking about tshuva here, right? Uh, um, so that's an interesting thing. Uh, I can understand the, the Torah being created before the creation of the world, and I can understand uh, the throne of glory being created before the creation of the world. Those are, those are things, right? Repentance isn't, uh, isn't a thing, is it? No, it's an attitude. It's a human condition. But I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. I think of the throne of glory, because we talked about that the last time. Uh-huh. If, if that could be actually, when they say the throne of glory, we don't know who the throne of glory is, but could it be representative of God 
that God wanted us to, these are the songs, these are what God wrote. And this might have been his place or wanted us to think of it, his place as the throne of glory. Well, right. I mean, so classically, the throne of glory is is God's throne. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So uh, maybe I'm not understanding your question. Well, that's what I wanted to know. Uh, if it's God's throne, then uh, that's what we need, that's what we need to know. That was created in God. That God created that before He created the rest of the world. Uh huh. But why? Why would God uh, uh, create the throne of glory before creating the rest of the world? Hi. Good. You, you don't mind if I just walk? No, away? go for it. Yeah. So, the, well, the question is that God would want us to know that there was something He created the world, and this is symbolic of the throne of glory. You mean meaning the world is the throne of glory? Well, it says right here that uh, if the Torah preceded the throne of glory. Or the throne of glory preceded the Torah. Mm-hmm. And we don't, it, this is all. So it's not clear. Right. It's not clear which was first. Correct. Right. It's not, it's, there's a disagreement about which was first, uh, the throne of glory or, uh, or the Torah. But I guess what we talked about last time, if I remember correctly, is the fact that, um, uh, that, uh, that the that the that the throne of glory you know kind of symbolizes uh, God's authority, right? Um, so uh, so uh, so God creates that before creating the rest of the world, so that God's um, place within creation is already established. The Torah is uh, is is the rule book, right? Is the law code, um, the, the what? The playbook. The playbook, right? The the instruction manual. Um, and so it's just a question of like whether the instruction manual was created first and then the like seat of God's authority to, to say that the, that the instruction manual has uh, validity, right? Or uh, opposite, right? If the, if the authority was created first and then the instruction manual. Well, how does the Hebrew handle it? Well, the, I mean, the Hebrew says basically what the, what the English there says, which is... Um, uh, so a Torah va kavod nivra'u. So the Torah and the throne of glory were uh, were, were created. Torah minayin. Where was uh, uh, where do we learn that the Torah was created before the world was created? Shneemar Adonai konani reshit darcho. So uh, as, as it says in in the book of Proverbs, uh, that uh, God created me as the beginning of God's way, or at the beginning of God's ways. So where do we learn that the throne of glory was created? Dichtiv nachon kisacha me'az. Okay, so uh, uh, that uh, how do we know that the throne of glory was created before the creation of the world? Because we, it reads in Psalms uh, that your throne was established uh, from uh, from from way back, from uh, from from a long time ago. Um, oh, your throne is established as of old. Right. Um, so, uh, so, so actually, so sorry, the, the, um, you know, there's, um, I don't see in here, um, ah, we're going to have a, in a few minutes, a question, a debate about the throne of, which was created first, the throne of glory or the Torah. We just haven't gotten there yet. Um, 
right now, we're, we're, what we're uh, what we're saying is that in addition to saying that the throne of glory uh, and the uh, and the Torah were created before the creation of the world, Rabbi Ahava says that tshuva was also created before the creation of the world. Um, so that's an interesting thing that tshuva was created before the creation of the world, because unlike Torah and the throne of glory, it's not an object. It's a, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a feeling, it's a disposition. Um, so what I would say about that is that, uh, what is, uh, what does tshuva require? What's the, what, what, what's like the basic requirement of tshuva? Repentance. Yeah. Okay. But what do you need in order to repent? to have the basic feeling. You, know, you have to want to repent. It's got to be something to repent for. Right. It's got to be an incident okay. that you're repenting for. And usually it's something that you did. Right. That you did that uh, was not correct. So it requires it requires sin, okay? And it requires, uh, it requires a, a desire to change, okay? Both of those things require something even more basic, which is uh, they require free will, and they require uh, uh, a, a, a sense that there is a right kind of behavior and a wrong kind of behavior. So, you know, right, right, right and wrong. So, in other words, I think that uh, what, what saying that God created tshuva before, uh, before creating the world, I think it means that before God created the world, God created uh, free will. God created morality. Uh, and God created the uh, human potential for uh, for for improvement, right? For 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 betterment, for growth, right? Um, you know, so uh, uh, <clears throat> so before God creates human beings, God sets in God's mind that this is these are the fundamental characteristics of what life is going to be about. Life is going to be about freedom. Life is going to be about mor- morality, and life is going to be about the possibility for change. That brings up an interesting thing, though, that uh, way back, and before the world was created, God must have known that free will would lead to sin. And in a sense, human beings, as opposed to the animal world, um, would be in the question in God's mind was, how could human, I think the question in God's mind must have been, how could human beings handle this free will? Would there be some way, some regulation of some type, as in the animal world or in the plant world? And I think the interesting thing is, what you told us once before, that I never thought about was that at the time of Noah, God really wanted to uh, destroy mankind because a mankind could not um, could not handle it. Man could not uh, operate in a positive manner. And God wasn't sure about this experimentation of how humans, as we are, or how people of free men, how animals, I guess that's what we are, of free men, of free will, would really operate in the world as opposed to the real animal world, the non-human world. So in other words, uh, God, is, God is surprised that human beings would use their free will for bad. He saw the potential. Right. This was a great experimentation. Hmm. Or else the world would be just out there with their three free-thinking animals. Three free-thinking beings. Right, right. Hmm. Uh, Should we go on a little bit? Sure. Okay. 
All right. So, uh, um, no, right. However, all right. So this is the question you were asking me for. The midrash is going to ask it. However, yeah, sure. Even repentance was, as it says, before the mountains are. Yeah, right, right under where it says Psalms ninety three. Oh, okay. This is, this is before that of which is written. Hold on one second. No, no, no. Hold on. I think you might not be at the right place. Um, we, we've got the Chuba, and then the Torah proceeds. No, you're, sorry. Go up. Sorry. Go go up on the page. Go up on the page. Uh, a few lines uh, to where it says, um, to where it says Psalms chapter 90, verse 3. Uh, and then right up there it says, however, in the middle of the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, However, I do not know. Oh, you tried man to... Okay, okay. However, I do not know which was first. If the Torah preceded the throne of glory, or the throne of glory preceded the Torah. Rabbi Akiba Bar Kahana? Abba Bar Kahana. Abba Bar Kahana said, The Torah preceded the throne of glory, as it says in Proverbs 8.22. God made me at the beginning of his way. God made me at the beginning of his way. The first of his works of old. This is before this is before that of which it is written, as it says in Psalms 93:2. Your throne is established as of old. Rabbi Hannah. All right, you know, all right, so that we're going let's let's pause there. Okay, so the question was, which came first, the Torah or the throne of glory? And the answer, Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana says, is that the Torah came first. And he gives a textual uh, proof for why he thinks the, the Torah came first. I don't see that. I don't see that. It looks like to me, you say, the throne is established as of old. Right, but before... This is before that. This is right. before that of which it is written. Right, so he's saying that the, the verse that says, God made me at the beginning of his way, the first of his works of old, from Proverbs, which is about the Torah, according to the Midrash, is chronologically uh, before, uh, when Psalm says, your throne is established of old, right, that's talking about later, right? So first the Torah was established, and then the throne of glory was established. Or or you could put it this way. When the book of Psalms says your throne is established of old, it means uh, a later time than than, than what it's saying about when the Torah was written, which is that God made me the beginning of God's way. Right? So, in other words, uh, it's it's, it's, uh, hinging on that word, beginning, right? Reshit Darcho, the beginning of God's way. And saying, since it says the beginning of God's way, that has to mean it was the first thing, right? And then only after you can say, okay, uh, the throne of glory is also really old, just not quite as old as the Torah. Yeah, I guess, well, I I want to just like pause there for a second. I mean, you know, so I, I, what do you make of that? You know, the, the Torah comes first before the throne of glory. Does it matter to you? Does it... Uh, is I don't it see how we can question this is when God gave us the Psalms. God wrote the Psalms. Did God write the Psalms? Well, that's what 
No. So the uh, so first of all, traditionally, uh, the, the the traditional answer is that King David wrote the Psalms, and that King Solomon wrote Proverbs. Uh, the Torah is just the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, and uh, the Bible consists of three parts. Torah, which is the first part. Uh, Nevi'im, the prophets, which are the second part. And Ketuvim, uh, the other writings, which includes things like Psalms and Proverbs. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm... Well, how could, I mean, so God gave us the Psalms, if that's, if that's the third book of the Torah. No, no, it's the third section of the Bible. But the Torah is, uh, is just those first five books of the Bible. Right. Psalms is not one of those books. Oh, I thought Psalms. Yeah, no, Psalms is Psalms is uh, is is uh, part of the third section of the Bible, which is known as Ketuvim, uh, the other writings. Um, so, so uh, you know, I think that that the most traditional understanding of Psalms is that King David wrote. Now, maybe you know, King David had the gift of prophecy, right? So maybe maybe King David is sort of channeling God's words, but uh, but but really. Um, uh, you know, this is not uh, this is not exactly like the literal word of God in in the Psalms, in the way that the rabbis understood the Torah to be the literal word of God. Well, how long do we think it was between Mount Sinai and King David? I mean, this was a long time. Yeah, so Mount Sinai is around the year thirteen hundred BCE, uh, and uh, King David is around the year. Uh, 900 BC, so about 400 years. And Sol- Solomon a little bit after that, you know, 450 years uh, before Solomon writes Proverbs. Um, if you know, if if you believe that traditional understanding of who wrote it, um, then then we're talking about. Uh, if you don't believe that traditional understanding, then then, then it's much later. But um, but it was actually that that was we really didn't have writing at that point, did we? Yeah, we had writing at that point. Yeah, yeah, there was written written word. Well, what's the time frame from Adam and Eve to Mount Sinai? I'd have to go back and do the calculation. So if you, let me do it this way. So the world is, uh, according to the traditional count, the world is 5,778 right. years old. Right. Uh, we are now in the year uh, 2017. So that means the year zero is um, 3,761. Um, so 3761 uh, uh, minus uh, 1,300 is 2,461. Okay, so somewhere around... Somewhere around the year twenty five hundred or twenty four hundred is it, so. So Adam and Eve then are about two thousand years before the giving of the Torah. So the Torah, okay, but then what the Torah was? Well, my real question is: from the time the Torah was translated by spoken word, by how many years before it was written, before it was codified and written? Well, no, no, no. Listen, you're 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 really asking two different questions there. Okay, the traditional understanding of Torah is that it was given, written on Mount Sinai. Well, the whole Torah wasn't written, given. Yeah, it was. Moses was on top of the mountain. And he the wrote whole the whole Torah. Torah. Yeah. 
The Ten Commandments were were the were the first part of the revelation of Torah, but not uh, but not the entirety of it. So the, Moses come the uh, God speaks the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, then Moses goes up the mountain and receives the rest of the Torah for forty days and forty nights. Uh, writes the whole thing down, brings it back down, written tablets. Sees the people are worshiping the golden calf, smashes the tablets, goes back up the mountain, and writes the Torah again, or receives the Torah again. Writes the second set of tablets and brings those tablets oh, back so down. I'm really confused here. So we had, so we're saying that we had the written Torah at that point. We're saying that, well, I mean, according to Jewish, according to traditional rabbinic understanding of things, yes, we had, the, we had the entire Torah at that point. Now, if you ask me from the point of view of like, you know, uh, biblical, of like historical criticism, biblical criticism, um, I, I don't believe that we had the whole Torah at that point. Uh, I'm not sure that event even actually happened. Um, uh, Sorry. Uh, Sinai. Um, uh, because the only evidence for that event is in the Torah itself. Um, but, uh, but in any event, uh, uh, going, just going back to your question, uh, if, you, if you're holding by the you know, sort of traditional chronology of things, then we had the whole written Torah uh, uh, at Mount Sinai. And this, so the Torah we have today is exactly as it was given on Mount Sinai? According to tradition, yes. According to the traditional view, yeah. Um, right. So now, what this is saying is that God wrote the Torah even before that, right? Two thousand or more years before that, God just didn't give it to people until until Mount Sinai. Right. So the Torah already existed. Um, uh, it just it just hadn't been given to anybody. So the, so the question that we have, uh, Chazan, is uh, we're ta- this whole Midrash is talking about um, uh, what was created before the world, if anything. Uh, and uh, what's suggested is that the Torah and the throne of glory were created before the world. Uh, and then, this, then the Midrash asks, which was created first, the Torah or the throne of glory? We were talking about this last time, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we there was a little bit of a digression to talk about things that like arose in God's thought to be created, but right. weren't actually created, uh, which was um, the patriarchs, Israel, the name of the Messiah, uh, and um, temple, and the temple, uh, and then also uh, Rabbi Hava suggests that uh, Chuva is also. Um, Created in God's mind, um, and so now we're on this question of what was created. So it, it's sort of like it was a digression, right? And then we come back to the Torah and throne of glory question, and the Midrash wants to know which was created first, and it answers that the Torah was created before the throne of glory, uh, and it gives a proof from the from you know the the proof texts for both of those things that we've already seen seem to imply that Torah comes first. 
right? That Torah is Reshit Darcho, right? The beginning of God's way. And uh, the throne of glory is, uh, is just Me'az, is just really old. So the question I was asking is, is what difference does it make? Hmm. Whether the Torah is created first or the throne of glory was created first. Why does Midrash care? I feel like that's a good question because I feel like I personally don't really care <laughs> which yeah. one came first. But I wonder if I wonder if it's a faith versus works thing. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if the Torah was created first, it's almost like saying the foundation of the world is is our actions and doing the right thing and living in accordance with the Torah. I love right? that. Yeah. Whereas if the throne of glory was created first then God's kingship and faith in God <coughs> is the thing that's foundational, right? Yeah. So. I love that. Let's, let's go with that. I mean, I think that that's actually really great. You know, the, the notion that what really matters is what we do and not what, not what we believe. Right? There's, there's, a, there's this uh, teaching elsewhere uh, in the Talmud that says, you know, um, would that my... Uh, children rejected me, but still kept my Torah, right? You know, in other words, like, ultimately, God, given the choice, if God was forced to, you know, you twisted God's arm and said, what would you prefer, people believe in you or people live by the Torah, God would say, live by the Torah. Live by the Torah, right? right? Yeah. Um, hmm. All right, let's keep going. You want to, unless you have another thought or question, Franklin. No, let's go ahead. All right. So we're now, you want to read, uh, we're, uh, you see where we are, uh, Chazan, um, where it says, uh, Rabbi, no, sorry, we already read that. Um, Rabbi Huna and Rabbi Yirmia. Mm. You see okay. that? Yeah. Yep. You see where we are, Franklin? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Rabbi Huna and Rabbi Yirmia, in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yitzchak, said, the thought of Israel was before everything. This is like a king who was married to a woman and did not have a son. One time the king was in the market and said, Take this ink and pen for my son. They said, He does not have a son. He replied, Take them. The king must expect a son, because otherwise he would not command that the ink and pen be taken. Similarly, if there was no expectation of Israel receiving it, after 26 generations, God would not have written the Torah, God would not have written in the Torah, command the children of Israel or speak to the children of Israel. Okay, let's just, let's stop yeah, there Yeah, I for need a to unpack that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Rabbi Huna and Rabbi Yirmiya in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, and the son of Rabbi Yitzhak, it's a lot of names, basically, Rabbi Huna and Rabbi Yirmiya say, okay, that uh, what, what was really the very, very tippy-top first thing that God created? According to this? According to, yeah, according to this. Torah. No, no, no. Even before that. Oh, Israel. Right. The thought, the idea of Israel, right? That eventually there would be a a children of Israel. Right. Right. Israel, right. Right. So, right. Before the throne of glory, before the Torah, before repentance, before, you know, before all of those things that God may have created, right? Uh, The very first thing that God did was create the idea of the Jewish people. Yeah, the Reconstructionists wouldn't like this, would they? No, how come? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, because it's the, the whole idea of the chosen people. Yeah. Right? That we have a special place and a special purpose. And the Reconstructionists view 
Judaism as just another folkway among a whole bunch of folkways that exist in the world. Unless Israel isn't a nation the way we understand, the way we typically understand nations, like if Israel is an idea rather than a people, right? Like in other words, like anybody can, anybody can be Israel, right? So if the Torah says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, do this or this or that, right? Theoretically, I could consider myself Israel, uh, recognizing that this is the way God wants me to live, right? So it's like, um, this may be not the right crowd for this, uh, for this analogy, but, um, uh, in, uh, in, in Batman Begins, <laughs> um, uh, um, Bruce Wayne says that he wants Batman to be a symbol, right? So like, in other words, like, like, like he, he is actually Batman, but Batman is more than just him, right? And so in the next movie, there are, like, all these people that are, like, dressed up as Batman, like, trying to, trying to fight crime, right? And, uh, and he's like, well, it's not exactly what I had in mind, right? But in other words, like, like, Israel is the actual people Israel, but it also could be anybody who, like, identifies with the purpose and mission of Israel and wants to act like them. I don't know if the Reconstructionists would be satisfied with that, but... Uh... Well, but it's interesting It's interesting that you say that because... Alright, now we'll be in the Hebrew here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not seeing anything that says here... That says anything about Israel being special or set apart. Right. Just that the thought of Israel came first. Right. So maybe the Reconstructionists wouldn't have a problem with it. It's interesting. You know, the other, the other way of looking at this in a, in a more universalist way is, okay, so, like, so this text was written by, by Jews. This text was written by Israelites. But it doesn't necessarily, like, basically what it's saying is, before God created the world, God had a sense of the purpose for having created exactly. the world, right. that humanity was part of that purpose and humanity has a role in the pur- in that purpose, right? So in other words, like I could see this text, you know, wh- like why couldn't this text say before God created the world, God created the idea of, you know, the, 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 the Muslim Ummah. You know, or, uh, or, you know, before God created the Bhagavad Gita, God, you know, um, like the, you know, the recognition that, um, that the world, that the world is purposeful, right? And that humanity is central to the purpose of the world and has a specific, like, task to play, uh, in, in the ongoing work of creation. Like, we, we aren't, we aren't incidental to creation. We aren't, um, we aren't accidental within creation. Like we were the very purpose for which the world was created in the first place. And it's interesting because even in this analogy in the Midrash, right? Take them. The king must expect a son because otherwise he would not command that ink and pen be taken. So it's not like there's any special language about being a special son or right. It's just progeny. Right. Right. Um, because I mean, I, I you know, I guess for me, I feel like I mean, I'm not a reconstructionist, but I don't love the idea of if if this overtly said that Israel as a special, distinct, right. and holy people right. was in God's thoughts before the creation of the world, 
that I would have a bit of an issue with. Right. But this, it's this, it's really interesting, and in a way, I'm kind of surprised that the that the sages didn't say that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it may be that that's what they were thinking, right? If they say, you know, the the king's going to have a son, right? Um, By the way, it's a son, not a daughter. That's a whole other thing, right? Um, King, not a queen. Um, But, uh, um, right, uh, they they may have been thinking, you know, like, well, this would be, you know, ultimately this would be the child, the, the firstborn son. So if you follow the analogy along, right, you have that in the Torah, right? B'ni b'chori Yisrael, right? My, the, you know, Israel is my firstborn, God says. So, you know, so in, in their minds, they may have that kind of essentialist right. attitude. I'm just, what I'm suggesting is that there's enough opening there that we don't necessarily have to right. read it Right, I, I feel yeah. like that's not, that's not coming through strongly in the text. Um, yeah. Right, so in other words, right, the, the, you know, the, the king is God, the child is human beings, right? Um, and, you know, God wouldn't, like, start putting things together, right, if, uh, if God didn't intend for those things to be used and operated and read by and, you know, acted upon by the human beings that are going to uh, be created. Um, yeah. Um, so that actually, I think, like, feeds into the next passage here. Um, you want to keep going with what Rabbi Benai said? Rabbi Benai. You see where you are, Franklin? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Rabbi Benai said, The world and its contents were only created in the merit of the Torah, as it says in Proverbs 3, verse 19, God founded the world with wisdom, etc. Rabbi Barachiah said, In the merit of Moses, as it says in Deuteronomy 33, verse 21, he saw a first part for himself. Rabbi Huna said in the name of Rabbi Matanah, the world was created in the merit of three things. That was interesting. Uh, Hala, tithes, and first fruits. The verse in the beginning God created <coughs> refers to Hala, as it says in Numbers 15, verse 20, the beginning of your doze. It also refers to tithes, as it says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 4, the beginning of your grains. It also refers to first fruits, as it says in Exodus 23, verse 19, the beginning of the fruits of the land. God, that's not specific. I don't know what it is. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, uh, we've just we've just covered a lot of ground there. We have uh, three different opinions about uh, why God created the world, essentially, right? Or, or, or um, you know, what was God's purpose in creating the world, what God intended the world to be created for. Rabbi Benai says the world and its contents were only created but in the merit of Torah. Rabbi Barachia says the world and its contents were created in the merit of Moses. And Rabbi Huna says that the world was created in the merit of Chala, tithes, and first fruits. So, um, Let's start with the end, and we'll go back, just because the, those concepts may not be clear. What, is, what does challah mean? Bread. So, yes, in the Torah, though, it's, it's a specific, it's, it's, got a, it's a technical term. Taking, the taking of challah. Good. So a, a, a portion of every dough that you make, every, like, you know, uh, 
of every batch of dough you make, a portion of it has to be set aside and given to the priests as a, as a gift because they don't have their own land. They can't produce their own grain. They can't therefore make their own bread. So a portion of every loaf of bread I make before I bake into bread, the dough itself has to be given to the priests. Today we still practice this, or observant Jews still practice this, uh, usually not by giving it to a priest, but by burning it in the oven. Um, you know, because we're not allowed to eat the, we're not allowed to eat the, the bread isn't kosher until we've taken a portion of the dough out, right? We, uh, uh, it's sort of like tithes work the same way, right? So tithes are a portion of, and it means here, I think also not only tithes, but, uh, the special tithe that's called truma, which is the priest's gift, um, so, uh, so we're not, if you, if you are a, a farmer and you're, you know, you have a crop of apples, say, right, you can't eat any of those apples or sell any of those apples. Well, you can sell them, I guess, and the person who eating, who, who buys it from you is then committing the sin of eating it. So let's just say it this way. You can't eat any of those apples until you've separated truma and maser. And truma is the first portion of the, of the crop that is given to the priests. Maser is then a tenth of the remaining crop has to be given to the, to the Levites. Um, and first fruits, bikurim, are a similar kind of thing, right? So you, uh, uh, if you plant an apple orchard, right, the first yield of that apple orchard, uh, has to be given to the priests in the temple. Okay, so these are all, uh, 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 portions of your harvest that have to be given to the priests or to the, the Levites because they don't have crops of their own. They don't have harvests of their own. So that's interesting. What does it mean that the world was only created for the sake of those things? For those specific, you're talking Yeah, those, about those three specific. Then we'll start with the last with the last teaching, since we since we're talking about it anyway, we could talk about them in any order, probably that we want to. And then the question is, you know, who's who's right? Um, well, I, I I think it's a fascinating question too. And I, I mean, since you gave that explanation of the challah, I think I this it makes a little more sense to me now because when I first read it, I was like, challah Tyson, that is so specific. What on earth? But it seems like a couple things are going on. Um, I mean, you can sort of extrapolate from that, like you said, the things that the, what those three things have in common are, um, I mean, generally supporting the Levites, supporting the priest, supporting the priest, but also the idea, honestly, I kind of feel like the idea of, um, leaving the corners of your crop, of your fields unharvested is related to this. Right, the idea of generosity, of supporting everyone in the community, of remembering those who might who might not be able to grow their own crops, or who, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's what I feel like is the is the bigger theme of that. The world was created in the merit of these three things: challah tithes and first fruits. I almost want to say my midrash on his midrash is. Mm-hmm. The world was created in the merit of three things, kala, tithes, and first fruits, that we, that we may remember that we are part of God's creation and that all of God's creatures need to be taken care of. 
I mean, maybe I'm midrashing too much. No, I, I don't think you're midrashing too much. <laughs> I think that that's I think that that's that that that's right on target, right? I mean, because you know, more than generosity, challah ties and first. I mean, you can give more than you're required to. That would be generosity. But there's a requirement here. Like the the, the produce doesn't belong to you uh, right. until you do certain things that give you permission to use it, right? So. At, on one level, what what all of those practices do remind you of your place within creation, right? That this is this is not your world, this is not your land, this is not your crop, right? Um, it it uh, it's it's God's. You can have permission to use it if certain criteria are met, and those criteria are about how we make sure that there's enough for everybody, right? right? How we how we uh, take care of those who don't have a portion of their own already, right? Um, so, you know, that's a, an amazing thing to just think about for a second, that, that, that according to uh, Rabbi Huna, uh, in the name of Rabbi Matna, or Matana, that's an interesting, uh, you know, whether or not it's actually Rabbi Matana, or that's a sort of stylized, right? Matana is a gift, right? right? Um, something that you give away. That's right. It's interesting. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and Rabbi, and by Rabbi, oh, what's Huna? I have to think about that. I was going to say, if it was Huna... That's grace, right? So, but um, but anyway, so the the you know um, that that um, the world was created for the sake of human beings uh, creating collaborative, mutually supportive societies, right? Uh, uh, you know, societies in which you uh, to you know use not to put too fine a point on it for the current debates that are happening on Capitol Hill, right? But that, that are, that, that have a sense of, um, of the general welfare, right? That right. have a social compact that they enter into together that, um, that I have things that you don't have. You have things that I don't have. I give of mine to support you just as you give of yours to support me, right? The priests and Levites have a function they play that they give to everybody else in society. And we in turn have to give of ours, uh, of, of ours to them, right? Right? The world can't exist uh, 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 if, though, if, or, or, or um, it's a betrayal of the existence of the world if, uh, if, if that kind of society is not established. I feel like I'm sorry to say this, but I feel like people who would call themselves conservatives who say that um, uh, socialism is like anti-Christian or right. You know, not not the right thing. It's not what's in the Bible. Those people have clearly never read about Shemitah and Yovel, right? 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 right. Shemitah and, and the Jubilee year, right, where everything resets, ownership of land, everything resets back to the last fifty years, right? I mean, I feel like it's very clear what kind of society the Torah wanted to build, and it was a society of collaboration right you know yeah right I, I don't know if i would go so far as to say that the torah is socialist i, I certainly don't think that the torah no, I don't is know if yeah, I would say that yeah either yeah i don't think the torah is is you know uh this torah is certainly not a free market capitalism well, that's what, right, right? Right? Uh, i would say the torah is, is communitarian or right. what's the word you use collaborative collaborative yeah torah right collaboratarian right <laughs> um um yeah uh you have thoughts on this franklin I'm just listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, so we have that as a, as a uh, possibility, right? That God created the world uh, for the sake of those things, but we also have two other uh, 
uh, entries into, uh, you know, it's like, it's like family feud, right? <laughs> we, we asked a hundred rabbis <laughs> what God created the world for the sake of. And what's the number one answer? Right? <laughs> um, so, well, it ties in first fruits. Ties in first fruits. Let's see ties in first fruits. Okay. <laughs> um, so the other two, the, the other two are Torah. God created the world for the sake of Torah, and God created the world for the sake of Moses. All right. So I don't. I personally don't agree with the Moses thing. Why not? Um. I'm assuming I'm just getting some water. No, it's okay. It just seems... It almost seems like you're deifying Moses. Right? And it even says here, in the matter of Moses, as it says, he saw a first part for himself. I mean, is that almost saying that God saw himself in Moses? Or God wanted to create a piece of himself and that was Moses? Yeah, let's let's look at that passage. Um, so... Where, where are we seeing that, uh, Franklin? Um, so yeah, you can have you can have the stone edition. Okay. Sorry about that cyberspace. Um, uh, okay, so we're at Deuteronomy. The page that has Midrash five on it. We're about half a paragraph up from that. You're, yeah, you're right there. You're right there. You're right there. We're here. So the first, the first. Uh, uh, opinion is that the world and its contents were only created in the merits of the Torah. Right. The next opinion is what Rachia said in the merit of Moses. Okay, so so we have three opinions on the table. One is that the world was created for the sake of Torah. One was created for the sake of Moses, and one was that the, the world was created for the sake of tithes, first fruits, and, and challah. Um, so we're going to look up in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-three, verse twenty-one. Um, Let's see what that passage is saying to us. So that uh, looks to be in uh, the final parsha in the Torah, parshat Vizota Bracha. Um, uh, for what it's worth, Chazan, uh, David Perry agrees with you that uh, uh, that he doesn't agree with the Moses thing either. It seems like he's setting up Moses to be worshipped. Right? but And that's kind of the same idea that that he's deifying him. Um, so 3321. Um, okay, so this is uh, you know the various like blessings to the to the tribes. Oh, this is interesting. Um, this Ula God Amar. So he says to God, uh, not not G O D G A D, right? The tribe of God. Le God Amar Baruch Marchiv God Kelavi Shachen Vetaraf Zeroa Af Kadkod. Okay, so um, so of God, he said, "Blessed is he that enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion, and tears the arm with the crown of his head of the head." Vayar reshit lo, ki sham chalkat mechokek safun, vayete roshe am sidkat adonai asa umishpatav im Yisrael. Um, uh, and he provided the first part for himself because there the portion of a lawgiver was reserved. And he came with the heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. 
Yeah, that's a that's a big stretch of a midrash that they're doing there. I'm not exactly sure what the what what uh, um, what the midrashic move is. Are you uh, uh, so, Franklin? In this in uh, in in this book, we're on page. Uh, um, page thir- 332. So here's a different translation. You might have a different He chose for himself the best. For there is the portion of the revered chieftain, where the heads of the people come. He executed the Lord's judgments and his decisions for Israel. Okay, so that's probably why the the um, uh, the midrash thinks that that's talking about Moses. Um, what that has to do with God, I don't know. Um, what do you have? Um, <coughs> no, the translation is similar, but I almost feel like. Oi. All right, and you, I'm sorry for not remembering this, and I should remember it, so you're going to have to refresh my memory. But Adonai and Elohim. Adonai is the, is the name of God that is the aspect of justice, and Elohim is mercy? Or Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. Adonai is mercy. Adonai, Adonai is compassion, and Elohim, Elohim is, is justice. justice. Yeah, or judgment. So I almost feel like Moses... Saying that the world and its contents were, I, I know these are two different interpretations, but saying that the world and its contents were only created in the merit of Torah, and saying that it was created in the merit of Moses, to me feels like the equivalent of the Dean and Rahamim dichotomy, right? Okay. Because I feel like Moses, in certainly with the verse that he's choosing as the proof text, I feel like what you're saying when you're saying that the world was created in the merit of Moses is that the world the world was created in the merit of justice and ordinances and carrying out God's laws. And I don't know if that's a world that I necessarily want to live in. Honestly, where that is the only where is that where that's the foundation of it? I'd rather live in the world where the foundation is Kalatai's and first fruits. But you can call me a hippie dippy goofball. That's fine. Yeah. And then and then the Torah one, I know I'm getting ahead of her, but and then the Torah one I feel like would be maybe a little bit more along the lines of Rachamim, right? God founded the world with wisdom, etc. Right. So I think that I think that you're I think that you're onto something that 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 this is talking about not Moses necessarily as a personally. I'm not, you know, I, I recognize that it, it gives the potential of Moses being deified here, but I think that it's, that it's really talking about Moses's role as lawgiver, but more importantly, like, like chief justice. Right. right? And I think and when we read the proof text, that also became more clear for me. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, a way of thinking about that is what good is the law without, uh, without, like, you know, interpretation and enforcement. You're saying if we don't have a lawgiver, what's the purpose of the law? So, for, yeah. Well, for, right, so I think that's part of it, right? So, like, the law has to be mediated through through uh, human beings. Like, if the Torah exists, but no one had 
had given it to us, right? No one had like had told us about it. And what good is it that it exists in the first place? Like a tree but falling I, in the forest, right? right. Yeah, like a tree falling in the forest, and nobody hears it. And I guess another the other thought I had was if the Torah had been given, like you know, it's, it's sort of like a Dianu thing. Like, yeah, uh, there's another way of thinking about this. Just popped in my head. I'll come back to that. But the um, uh, but if the Torah had been given. But there was no one to, to say, okay, when there's a dispute about, you know, about uh, following the Torah's laws, you know, which is the right answer, right? Then what good is having a Torah, right? Uh, because if, if the Torah is basically just a free-for-all and, and there's no enforcement, there's no adjudication that this is a right interpretation, this is not a right interpretation, we're going to do this and not that, right? Um, this value is more important than that value, it's, and so on and so on and so on, right? The, the, you know, so in some ways it's like the role of, of, of the rabbis here, you know, the role of the midrash. If there's no mediation of Torah, then what, of what value is the Torah? So, I understand that, but I think there's a difference between creating a lawgiver and having that be the foundation of the world's creation. Just because there is a, a justice remediator in the world, that doesn't mean that, that that person or that concept has to be the foundation upon which the world was created or built, right? I mean, because that's really what this Midrash is talking about, right? Mm -hmm. The things that God thought of even before creation. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, I think, that is the issue for me. Not so much, not so much the idea of Moses as, a lawgiver, keeper of justice, or great leader, you know, among the people, that's all fine. But to say that that's what the, that is the absolute foundation of the world, that I'm not sure sits well with me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What do you think, Franklin, about yeah. this, uh, about this idea that uh, the world was created for the, for, uh, for, for, it says the language is in the merit of the Torah, or maybe you could say like for the sake of the Torah. The world was created for the sake of the Torah, or the world was created for the sake of Moses. It's all brand new material for me. Huh? Yeah, that, well, that's the point of having a yeah, class. Yeah, it's beyond what I had any experience with. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think about those ideas? I mean, I, I hadn't thought about this. This is kind of new for me, too. I mean, I, you know, I, Midrash as a concept isn't new for me, but these particular ones are absolutely new. So I don't, you know, yeah. <clears throat> well, what, you know, why don't, why don't we end on the, on this thought? Uh, because we're, we're about out of time. Uh, you know, the, the idea that came to my mind was Dayenu. Right, you know, right. The, you know this is the song from the Haggadah that says, like, you know, uh, if we had, if we had only had this, but we didn't have that, it would have been enough, right? But the the truth of that song is that it that that's not really true. I mean, it's nice to say, but it's not really true. Like, we had been taken out of Egypt, but didn't re receive the Torah, it wouldn't have been enough, right? Um, you know, if we had received the Torah, but didn't have Shabbat, it wouldn't have been enough, right? So, you know, if we, so, so none of those things would have been enough on their own. So, I, you know, I, I wonder if any of these things would have been enough on their own, you know? So, so you could say the world was created for the sake of, 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 of Torah, right? Um, but without you know, uh, mediation of Torah without someone to give the Torah, someone to, to, to interpret Torah, someone to adjudicate disputes in Torah, Torah is essentially worthless, right? Um, uh, because then, you know, it, you, you might as well say the, the, the world was created for the sake of Star Wars, right? And everybody will just have their own interpretation of Star Wars and like live a Star Wars life. That wouldn't be so bad, but, um, uh, right. 
Uh, on the other hand, you know, um, uh, like, like, uh, just mediation interpretation is not itself enough, right? Because I think what the third thing is saying about tithes and challah is a sense of like, you know, what's the, what's the trajectory of Torah? Like, if you interpret Torah in such a way that takes it off course from that sort of communitarian message, right? The sense that we're, we're in a social compact with each other, that we're responsible for one another, right? If you interpret Torah in such a way that uh, that, that, that perverts that essential message of Torah, right? That this is the kind of life that we're going to live. This is the kind of society we ought to be creating, right? Because that's possible, right? You can be an interpreter of Torah. You can be, uh, uh, you know, you could be a rabbi. You could be a, 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 a lawgiver, whatever. You could be a midrashist who interprets the Torah in such a way that totally perverts the Torah's message. Sure. Right? Sure. And so maybe what it's saying is, uh, maybe you need all three of those things. You need Torah, you need Moses, and you need those things. Um, in, you know, th- those are sort of like a threefold cord that cannot be broken. You need the Torah itself. You need human beings to understand, interpret it. But you also need sort of like a North Star right. to kind of say, like, mm-hmm. if you if your interpretation of Torah is really like kind of off base of these things, then you need to reevaluate your what your interpretation of Torah is. Um, I think that that's actually a really important message because there's there's a way in which um, uh, I mean I can speak for rabbis that you know that like that hold their 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 understanding of Torah like in in like one or two of those three ways right, right? but not necessarily all three simultaneously right, right? I, personally. You know, this is just my vantage point where I said I, I see I see the ideal of conservative Judaism as holding those three things, right? Mm-hmm. Striving to hold them simultaneously. Right. Um, whereas, you know, this, this may be unfair and a, a straw man, um, but I see, you know, um, just for example, like I, I you know, I see uh, um, Reconstructionism as like taking Moses out of the equation too much, maybe, oh, right? And reform uh, Judaism is maybe taking Torah out of the equation too much, and and Orthodoxy is taking Chalatides and first fruits too much out of the equation. So interesting. Yeah. I actually really love this midrash. I feel like it's <laughs> it's generated some really interesting conversation, and it's just this is just really fascinating to think about, right? Because really the question is what's the foundation of the world, right? Um, all right, well, why don't we stop there for this week? We'll, uh, we'll pick it up. You're welcome. We'll pick it up on January 8th.